please open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. If you're using a pew Bible, it's page one or page 980. Philippians 2, 1 to 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Hi, church. My name is Daniel. I am a pastoral resident here. Um, and praise God. I'm excited to serve you as pastor and be brought in next week. How are you guys doing this evening? Good. It is really good to worship with you all. Um, I want to tell you a, a story. Um, a few years ago, I was uh, really exhausted from, from ministry. And I, and I went out to walk and um, really just get time with the Lord. And I, it was a day of rest. And um, I remember I was, I was just feeling like I couldn't get anywhere with, with God in prayer. I was just kind of desperate for him. And um, until I, I started to walk by this basketball court, and a bunch of guys were playing there, and it wasn't the, the game that like, lifted my spirit, but, but it seemed like God started to uh, draw my attention to this group of men and calling me to share the gospel with them. And honestly, my first reaction was, I was angry. I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, I, I've come to rest. I'm exhausted. Would you please stop bothering me? It was like this, this feeling of, I, I, I just felt this tension in my heart. Like, I don't want to serve. I'm so done, Lord. And I kept walking <laughs> stubbornly. I was like in this fight with God. And um, then he, he seemed like he said to me, if you want joy, Daniel, if you want rest, I want you to come and serve with me. Come and serve these men. So I realized I wasn't getting anywhere without obeying him. So I turned around and I went over and I began to share the gospel with the, a group of about six guys. And uh, slowly, most of the guys trickled back to playing their game. <laughs> uh, but one guy stayed. And he kept talking to me. 
And we ended up sitting down and talking for about two hours uh, on Xavier University's campus there. And, and he told me that he felt like God had been calling him. He said, my grandfather, my, my ex-girlfriend, they keep telling me I need to turn to Jesus. And here you show up today telling me I need to turn to Jesus. I think I need to turn to Jesus. And I was just overcome. My heart was so lifted. I felt like, I mean, I, I was on top of, I was, I was in the clouds, right? And this is shocking because I was so I was acting so shamefully. It wasn't my desire to serve that, those guys, but I was actually, I, was, I, I looked at myself at my own time as, as more important in those moments. My interest as more important than those men. But God had something important to show me. that He wanted to show me that it's more blessed to give than to receive. He wanted to show me that when I feel this, this tension... This, this tension that I often feel, even daily, where I don't want to serve, that he's calling me to joy. He's calling us to joy. Do you guys ever feel this? Is it just me that ever feels exhausted and like, you're like, I'm done. I need me time. Like, get away from me, kids, wife. Like, just please stop messing with me. I admit, on my worst days, like, I just don't even want anyone to see me so I won't be inconvenient somehow. It's shameful, but... Jesus is desiring to grow us to believe this truth. How do we grow to serve when we don't feel like serving? Well, we're continuing our three-part series on identity. And this week, we're looking at servants. Last week, Sam talked about beloved family, how we are a beloved family. Out of that identity, it causes us to live like a family with one another. This week, we're talking about servants. And my sermon is titled, Servants Like Jesus, The Path to Joy. And here's basically what I want to say to you today. Serving like Christ served you is the path to joy. Serving like Christ served you is the path to joy. I'm going to take it in three parts. We're going to look at the fact that we are servants, we serve like Jesus, and we get greater joy. Now, we're going to be camping out in the, in the Philippians, and as was just prayed, but before we, or as we just read, but before we go there, I just want to pray one more time. Will you pray with me? God, you have condescended to us in the form of a man and you've loved us. And we've sung about it. And Lord, now we want to marvel at who you are through your word. We want to worship you through this moment as we open the word and we submit to you, God. Would you please speak and make us to believe that you are the most humble of all, Jesus Christ and that we would want to be like you, and that you would empower us today to live like you. For we are servants, God, and we want to look like it. So give me clarity in my speech, and work in us today, Holy Spirit, to change us and make us look more beautiful and more worthy of this gospel that you've called us to. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Number one, we are servants. We are servants. We're, again, we're looking at Philippians chapter 2. And I just want to, at the outset, say that my goal today is not to necessarily exegete and go verse by verse. But we will instead kind of get at the theme of humility and servanthood throughout this passage. So if you look at verse 1, the, the chapter begins with this word, so, or therefore. Uh, verse 1 of, of Philippians 2, it begins with the word, so. What do you do when you see words like so or therefore? You guys ever heard the saying, uh, what's the therefore, therefore? That's what you begin to ask. What is the therefore, therefore? Um, we need to look at the context. We need to figure out what, what came before it and what, what, is, what has Paul said before to lead us to this moment. And if we look a little further back, we're going to see that Paul's exhortation that, that is in Philippians 2 here, to live like Jesus in humility, it actually begins back in verse 127, or chapter 1, verse 27. That was what my wife had up there. It says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. This is the beginning of the, the exhortation to the Philippians. And it, what it is, is it's, it's a challenge to the Philippians to actually begin to live out a supernatural reality that has already taken place. If you look at the, 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 the Greek, the literal translation there actually has the word, only let your manner of life uh, be worthy as citizens. Citizens of the gospel of Christ. So what you see is that we are already citizens of the kingdom of God through the gospel of Christ. And so Paul says, I want you to live according to that position. I want you to live lives worthy of that position. But the passage also reminds the Philippians that they were not always citizens of the kingdom. They were made citizens through the gospel of Jesus. And this is true of all of us who claim the name of Jesus. Friends, we used to be enslaved to sin. We used to be ruled by our passions, by our flesh, and the world and the devil cheered us on as we headed down that path to destruction. But in God's mercy, church, he came and when we believe the gospel, he united us to Jesus and he redeemed us from slavery to that losing kingdom and he put us in the winning, on the winning team. He brought us into the kingdom of Christ. We were slaves of sin, if we're Christians today, we were, but now we are slaves of righteousness in God. Maybe you're hearing this today, maybe, maybe you're with us and you're not so sure what you think about Jesus. And I, I just want to say to you, friend, Jesus is the king who came to serve you. He came to serve, he died so that we wouldn't have to die for our sins. I just would ask you, who, who will you choose to serve today? Are you, are you going to choose to be on this path to destruction? Or will you follow the benevolent king and find life? Be baptized today. It's the gospel of Jesus is believe, repent, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. But church, if we have surrendered to Christ, we have become slaves to Christ. He is king and Lord and we are his servants. We are servants. This means we obey Jesus at all costs. I want to look at John chapter 17. Sorry, it's Luke chapter 17. 
It says, will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Next slide. (laughs) Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterwards, you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. We have only done what was our duty. This is our... This is actually pretty shocking in our context, right? Where to say, like, we are servants and we've only done what, our, what is our duty. We hear all the time, the message in our culture is, don't tell anybody what, what to do. That is, unless it's hurting someone. Don't tell anybody who they are. No, you define who you are. You define what you do. You define where you go and what your, what your sex is, what your gender is. You defined your identity. But Jesus teaches his his disciples that those who follow him, those who are citizens of his kingdom, they are what he says they are, and they do what he says they do. With radical and immediate obedience. Saying, it's only our duty to follow you, King Jesus. It's only our duty. How does this land when you think about yourself as a servant of Christ, how does this land on you? Is, is it a joy to, to think, wow, I get to serve Jesus, or does it feel kind of burdensome? I'll be honest, uh, it feels difficult to me because I don't like to admit that I don't have the reins of my life, that, that as a servant of Jesus, I, I'm supposed to give over the wheel to the Lord Jesus, that he's supposed to call the shots, that he's supposed to be the one that I follow every step of the way. But then I remember what Jesus has done for me. I remember that I truly am an unworthy servant, as the text says. We are unworthy servants. We are bought by his precious blood. We were slaves to sin and death, but he's brought us into the kingdom of righteousness. We were served by God so that we could serve in his happy kingdom. This is the Holy Spirit's strategy uh, throughout this wonderful book. When we feel burdened by its commands, it it is never just a command, do this, do this. It is always grounded with gospel. It is always grounded with gospel. Let me show you an example with our text here. Paul doesn't begin by exhorting the Philippians. Do this or do that. He actually says, and it sounds, it sounds like a man that just cares so much for his, his people. He says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being like this. He, he goes on to talk about how, what he wants, but he begins by saying, don't you see that you've received all of these things? Church, we are called, when we, when we feel those burdens, and, and when you hear me today, t- 
talk about our identity as servants and how God wants us to serve him at every moment and hand over the reins to him and say, we, we've only done our duty, Lord, we'll go wherever you go. Please hear today that we are only called to live out of what we have received. We are only called to do what God has already done. What Christ has done to us, he wants to do through us. Can you guys say that with me? What Christ has done to us, he wants to do do through us. Excuse me. You guys got it way better than I did. We're trying to mimic our master. Let's look at part two. We serve like Christ. Look with me at Philippians 2 verse 3. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So our passage here moves from who we are and what we've received to what we do. The Lord commands the Philippians that they ought to do nothing selfishly or proudly, but in everything they do, to count others more significant than self. When I was reading that this week, I was just so convicted. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but count others more significant than yourself. This is challenging. And it's, it sounds a little bit like the golden rule, but it goes a step further. You know, with the golden rule, we're told, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We don't stand by while we watch somebody in need. No, we, we meet those needs because we would want our needs met, right? But this, this takes it just a step further, and it's, it's surprising language. It's, it's saying, I want you to consider others more important than yourself, more significant It's like Paul is saying to the Philippians, I want you to believe that you are the servant of your brothers and sisters. I want you to believe that you are lower, that you ought to serve them. Paul adds some description in verse 4. He says, servants of Jesus must not look only to their own interests, but also to others' interests. And this goes beyond just needs. It goes beyond to their wants and desires, their likes, their dislikes, preferences, opinions. This this means that at every single turn, church, we are jumping to serve others in humility above self. This means that those that are different than us, those that would would maybe have different theological opinions, we, we seek to listen and learn and We don't just throw our our opinions and push for our own way, but we humbly serve. Servants of Jesus, those who look not to their own interests, but to the interests of others, they're going to be the first to volunteer to take out the trash, right? To do the dishes, roommates. (laughs) To, uh, To watch the kids. They're not seeking their own way. They They seek to serve. Let me ask you, does this look like your day today? Husbands, wives, does this look like your day today? When you came into this building, 
was your first thought, oh, I, I'm eager to serve the person I'm sitting next to. I'm eager to, to see them as, as more significant than me so that I can bless them and honor them. Can you say that in everything you did today, that you considered others more significant than yourself? I sure can't. Honestly, who can? Look to verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that again. This is shocking. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Wait, Daniel, you just said, who, who can have the mind of Christ? Who can live like this? And Paul just said, hey, you have the mind of Christ. This is really surprising. Paul is, is able to say here, you need to have the mind of Christ. You, you don't have it completely, Philippians. And yet he's also saying, you, you do have it. This is like one of the best examples of, of the new covenant reality, the already but not kingdom, where... We have been given a new nature, church. When we, when we come into Christ and into his kingdom, we're given a new nature. And we're not ruled by our old man any longer. Except that old man was trained for centuries, not centuries, we're not that old, for decades. <laughs> Maybe some of us, no. <laughs> we're trained for decades to follow our pa the passions of our flesh. So that new man... It needs to catch, or the, sorry, the old man needs to catch up with the new man. Church, if you are in Christ, you have the mind of Christ. You have it. So all the commands that we're called to, we're called just to become who we already are. Become who Christ has made us by the power of his spirit. This happens through daily renewal of our minds through the word of God. We, we sit over the Bible in the morning through our reading plans. When we gather together, right, we're trying to grow in our understanding of our identity. We believe false things about ourselves. We believe false things about one another. And that is what often leads to unrighteous behavior. Leads us to, to live out of that old man rather than the new. Church, we are walking through a process called sanctification where Jesus is making us more and more like himself. Where it's not, it's not something that we have to force, but it's something that actually overflows out of our hearts. Where we would desire to serve because it is Christ's mind that rules. We want Christ's mind to rule. We don't want the old man. We don't want the flesh to rule anymore. The more we believe we are servants in Christ, loved by the King, the more we will serve. The more you will serve out of an overflow of that identity. We're no longer going to act selfishly. We're no longer going to be proud by default. But we will begin to shine like Jesus and be His image to others. Usually doesn't work to try to force someone to do something, does it? Kingdoms that operate that way usually end up with dead kings and defective servants, right? This is why God has, has set up, I think, the kingdom the way that he has. God's character, God's humble character is really the foundation 
of the commands that we're seeing today. Verses 3 and 4 show us what God loves. When he's calling us to serve like this, to look to others as more significant, to, to lay down our own interests for others, he's, he's saying, this is what I love. This is what I like. This is what Christ is like. And he, he's going to take, take us further into Christ's character. Let's read verses 5 again and, and following. Verse, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Oh, I love this passage. This is one of my favorites. This is, a, this is what many scholars believe to be a, a hymn sung by the early church. And it's mind-boggling. What it communicates about God's character is crazy. Guys, Jesus was in the form of God. He was not a man. He was in the heavens being worshipped with His Father and with the Holy Spirit. Through eternity, He is the creator of all things. Through Him, all things were made. Through Him and for Him. And yet, it says that He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But He humbled Himself. He emptied Himself. He laid down His crown of glory. He stepped out of heaven and He took on the form of a servant for us. Jesus, who is God, took on the form of a servant. He became a man so that He could suffer in our place with us. He was born of a woman. He was adopted by his dad, Joseph. He experienced temptation. He experienced what, what it's like to, to have growing pains, to go through adolescence. He experienced what it's like to be dependent on food. He experienced what it's like to need to learn and to struggle with fatigue and loneliness and pain. And Jesus he went all the way to the cross for us. He was hung there, naked. The God of the universe hung there in shame. This is a humble God. He had his hands and feet pierced, church. He had thorns in his head. His beard was plucked out. He was struck. He had a sword thrust through his side. He was spit on and mocked. The king of the universe went to the cross for you and me. This is our God. Church, this is our God. This is the example that has been set for us. This is, this is the God that has gone to great lengths to serve you. God's nature is to use His power, to use His authority, not to stand far off, but no, to come, to care for the broken hearted, for the needy, for the sinner, and to rescue enemies of his kingdom. The humility of God is staggering, and, and when I put myself next to God, I feel like such a failure. For those of you who feel 
convicted when we just compare ourselves. We're talking about ourselves as servants, and we look at how Jesus served us and how we so often fall short. I need you to hear this gospel message today. Jesus not only showed us an example. Yes, this is about an example of the greatest servant, but he also, he also set us free by the power of the cross to serve. Amen. He set us free to joyfully serve him. When Jesus, in John 13, washed the disciples' feet, he said this. Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. As you continue to read in this narrative, he's washing Peter's feet and, and he's, he's beginning to explain more and more what this washing represents. It represents the cross. It represents what he's about to do the following day. And, and a little bit later in, in John chapter 17, we see Jesus praying for his disciples. We, we see him praying these words. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus here is talking about his crucifixion. He's talking about his blood being poured out that would be the, the washing, the cleansing of his disciples so that they could be light into the world. He came and he not only lived this example for us, washing our feet and calling us to the same church, he said, I'm sending you to do the same and I sanctify myself so that you will be sanctified to do the same. Jesus went to the cross to set us free from our slavery to sin so that we could serve him joyfully. He's so good, church. He's so good. And if we call Jesus teacher and Lord, as he is, Jesus says we will wash one another's feet. We must wash one another's feet just as the Lord has done for us. We're called to lay down our lives for one another, brothers and sisters. We're called to live like our Savior in obedience to Him. Is this your mindset today? I want to bring this to, to us, to you. Does this define your life? All people's church, does this define us? Are we those who are consumed with laying down our life for others? Laying down our own interests for the interest of others? Church, I can say that many of you are. The Hassans last week and the Wilsons, they testified to all the ways that God has been working. All the ways that you have served them. And I have seen it. And I can testify in my few short months here that you are servants, and I just want to exhort you to do so more and more, and praise be to God for what he's doing through you. But I think some of us also need to repent. I think some of us also need to, to check our hearts and be reminded of our identity today. I just want to ask a few questions to, to test our hearts. Church, are you seeking to use your gifts to serve others 
Do you know that you have a spiritual gift that God has given to you and it's meant to build up the body and without it we suffer? Is it your desire to serve this church body? Pastors, are you driven by self-interest or the interest of others? Are we driven by, the self, by selfish interest or the interest of our flock? Husbands, are you laying down your life for your sheep? I mean for your wife. <laughs> you might call them your sheep. <laughs> That's hilarious. I need to take a drink of water. <laughs> Husbands, are you laying down your life for your wives? Are you doing the dishes? Are you, are you working diligently to provide and to lead your family into greater knowledge of God and love for him? Wives, are you joyfully submitting to your husbands out of reverence for Christ? Are we partners or competitors? Parents, are you serving your children in such a way that would help them to advance far beyond us? To, to, be, uh, to surpass you in godliness and fruitfulness in the world? Singles, are you given to good works? Are you above your own comforts and desires and, and all the opportunity that you have before you? Are you seeking to love those that are hurting in our family? And Christians, all of us together, are we, are we broken over the lost? Are we working to make known this gospel of light? How are we doing? Are we carrying others' burdens? Are we rejoicing with those who rejoice? Are we weeping with those who weep? Are we praying for each other? I feel that the, the Lord is doing something in our community. He is really stirring some of us to pray more diligently and more faithfully for one another. This is one of the greatest ways that you can serve others in this church body. Get on your knees before God and petition Him to help those around you. Help those in your DNA to fight sin. Help those in your DNA and in your missional community within this body to be more faithful and fruitful in their workplaces and preaching the gospel. To pray for your leaders, those who are shepherding you. This is one of the greatest ways to serve. And I believe that God is calling our church to a greater measure of this, this service. Uh, service. So I've, I've asked these questions, and, and maybe, maybe it's landing on some of you, that, and, and there's, there's need to repent. But I, I also want to address some of you who feel wounded today. Um, I had lunch with someone that, uh, for, for several years now, she's had serious health issues. And her and her husband love the Lord, but they have had a really hard year. And they, they feel broken and they may hear my words today and just feel shame like I, I don't have anything to give I, I'm I'm broken and if that's you today if you feel like you have nothing to give I need you to hear this Jesus is not heaping shame on you today he is saying hey come to me let me heal you let me serve you I want to remind you of my love for you. I want to serve you. And in time, I will raise you up. I will heal you. And I will send you to serve again. 
Some of us need to hear that. If we cling to Jesus, he will heal us and he will, he will launch us into ministry in time. Church, the master is calling us today to come and serve because we have been served. He's calling us to come and serve in the power of the spirit. Now I want to talk in our third part, last, last part, about a motivation for service. We get greater joy when we serve. Now let's look at verse 9. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him that, that the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here we see this therefore again. And what it's pointing back to is all that Jesus has, has done. Jesus died, and because he died for us and served us, it says God raised him up to the highest place so that every tongue in heaven and earth and every mouth would confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus actually knew that this would be the case. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. It says, we, look, we are looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. For the joy that was set before Jesus, the joy that was awaiting him, this exaltation that was promised to him before he ever came to earth, he endured the cross. He endured the cross knowing that his exaltation, he would bring, bring many sons to glory. This was the joy that helped Jesus endure the cross. And what I'm not saying today, friends, is that when we serve, that it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that the cross of Jesus was easy because he knew about the joy coming. No, Jesus endured the cross. Friends, serving is sacrificial. You will give your money and time and energy, and oftentimes people will not reciprocate. They will not love you back in return. But Jesus shows us that the reward of serving Him, the reward of following Him, is far greater than the few short years that we can have in comfort and isolation. Church, he's showing us that it is more blessed to give than receive. When we lay down our lives for others, we are told that we will receive joy. When he appears, we will appear with him in glory, church. When Jesus appears, we will appear with him in glory. We will see him face to face and we will shine like the stars. Now again, another question that might arise is, wait, what? Daniel, isn't that kind of an evil motive? Like, you, shouldn't we just be serving because it's our duty? You just said that earlier, right? Here's, here's what we need to understand. When Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God, it says that he was exalted and every tongue confesses that he is Lord. And what happens? It says it's all to the glory of God the Father. 
Similarly, church, when we are glorified, when, re- when we receive joy, even on this earth, it makes God look really good. When we together as a, as a community are serving one another, and the, the, church, sorry, the world sees that, that we are the disciples of Jesus, they're not focused on us, they're focused on the fact that we're disciples of Jesus. They're focused on His glory. And on the last day, when they see, when the bride comes down out of heaven, we will be glorious, but it is Jesus who will get the praise. It is Jesus who will get the praise. He will get all the glory. In laying down our lives for one another, Jesus says we're, we're, we're able to be great. This is the path to joy. This is the path to greatness. Will you read it with me? Jesus said, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Church, the path to joy is service. (laughs) Serving like Jesus served you, serving like Jesus served us, is the path to joy. Jesus didn't rebuke the disciples for wanting to be great. He said, if you want to be great, serve. Be the servant of all. Church, we want joy for you. Jesus wants joy for you. He wants you to be great in the kingdom of God. And that path is through laying down your lives to serve others. What would our church look like if we really believed that serving others like Jesus is that is the path to true greatness and joy? What would, what would the world think if they looked in and saw us living like this? Oh, that he would make us believe in this reality of our identity as servants. Jesus laid down his life for us, church, that we could be citizens in his kingdom. And as citizens, we are called to live lives worthy of that position. And our master is a servant. He is humble. He not only was an example to us as to what our humility should look like, but he set us free through the cross, when he went to the cross, and through his resurrection, and through the spirit that he has caused to live in us, he set us free so that we could serve, and so that we could serve joyfully, so that we, we could become more and more like Jesus daily. So joy, so church, for your joy, for your joy, I want to remind you that we are servants, and that this, this is what citizens of the king looks like. We are servants in his kingdom. Let me pray and we will worship. Father God, you are amazing. Your character is unmatched, unfathomable. Lord, we give you glory for you have bowed so low to reach a sinner like me. Father, we worship you. We worship you, our Lord Jesus, for how you have died for us and raised and how you were seated at the right hand of God and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord because of what you've done, because you've been raised to that place. 
And God, you will get glory on the last day. You will get glory from us who are your servants when we look like you, Jesus. So I pray, God, make all people's church, make those, every single one of us here, more like Jesus, more like the humble God that you are. Help us, Lord. Help us to receive what you have for us. Help us to repent where we need to repent and to become more like you as we pray and as we worship now. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.